Let's now turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. If you please stand on the reading of God's word. And let me tell you, I had a very difficult time getting this sermon finished and printed up. And it was just a lot of difficulties. And I knew things were inter trying to intervene, trying to keep this from getting done. I don't know why, but I knew. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, no, we're going we're gonna to get this done. Greater is he who's in me and he's of the world. 1 John 4, 4. Either way, let's now read Romans 5, 12. It says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. I'm not going to be using near as much levity today as I do some, so often. I may use one or two, but not very often. This is a different kind of a sermon today. In fact, I'm not even going to tell when I was a kid or anything like that, like usual. We're just going to go straight into it. God made everything perfect. God made everything perfect. Man made a mess. And there was a sermon called that one time. God made everything perfect. Man made a mess. We see in Genesis chapter 3 that... Uh, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that we, well, we know what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Everything was perfect, and we saw that man, all about mankind, ate of the forbidden fruit, and this brought death into the world. We know of this. We know of this. And so, because of the perfect body at that point, the perfect body at that point that was created, it was a perfect body. God made everything perfect, everything perfect. And we saw that that body was then not perfect anymore. Neither was the world. It was perfect, too. We saw the thorns came. We saw that death came. Everything that was perfect was not perfect anymore. Now man wasn't perfect anymore. By that, I'm talking about mankind, of course. And you can see throughout time in Genesis that mankind's lifespan was drastically changed. It changed. It changes a lot. People always ask questions. I hear it all the time. I don't understand. Maybe they, I've seen it throughout the years. Maybe... They just weren't taking time. Maybe time was there. Maybe people told time, no, no, it's still 24 hours in a day. Still 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter if they had a Rolex or not. Still different than it is now. No, no, no. Still 24 hours a day. Sun rises, sun sets. That's still the same as it was then. What is different, though, is lifespan. Lifespan is different. In fact, let's take a look at that. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Methuselah, the oldest man ever, 969 years old. Methuselah's grandson was Noah. Noah lived to be 950 years old. We're going to skip, oh, we'll skip to be 400 years later. 400 years later, we get to Abraham. Originally Abram. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. 175 years old. That's a drastic change. That's 400 years, folks. It's the same book of Genesis, right? But that's a drastic change. You go from 950 years or nearly 1,000 years all the way to 175 years. So that's a drastic, drastic change. Now we're going to jump 2,000 years into the future to the beloved 
John. Now, he lived a long time compared to other people in his lifetime. John lived to be 93 years old. Not everybody lived to be that old at his time, but 93 years old, John the Beloved lived to be. And he was the only disciple, I'm talking about apostle, who lit, died of natural causes that we're aware of. In fact, we know all the others didn't. But do you see the great difference? Listen to this now. That's, huh, that's a long time. There's about 4,000 years or so from creation to then that we go from living 930 years to living 93 years. That's a long time. But then things change. Go forward, go forward to the Middle Ages. Usually, usually uh, in the Middle Ages and even to the early founded America, people lived to be about 30, 35-ish, and that was known as being old. Wow, did you know that? If you're old, I think just about everybody here is, no offense, about everybody here is more older than 35. Anyone here younger than 35? Anyone here younger than 35? You're, oh, sister, you're younger than 35 back there. You're first to the altar. <laughs> I apologize. Minus a century. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. No, anyway. Uh, no, yes, yes, yes. So, 35-ish. That was thought of as being elderly then. Most people didn't live to be older than that. Even up into the 1800s, up into the 1800s, uh, up into the 1800s from 40 to 60. They live to be 40 to 60. As technology gets better with medica medication approve, uh, started to improve, uh, so our lifespan gets better and better. And we get older and older. And that nice, that's wonderful. However, as lifespan goes on, it gets better and better. Ego gets better and better. And by that, I mean worse and worse. People start thinking we're like gods. You know, a lot of people think that. They start, I'm talking about doctors and other people that think, oh, we're, we can make lifespan go. Some people say, there's no reason for people to die. We know that. We know that there's no reason for people to die. When, people, when doctors look at the body, they say, the man's body, mankind's body was made to live forever. That's true. God made the mankind body, human body, to live forever. But sin destroyed it, destroyed it. So they want to find more cures through medication and all, and that's wonderful. However, there's a problem with that. You can see... Through all the medication, there's more illnesses too. More illnesses through sinful life. But there's also more illnesses from the medication itself. Maybe you've heard of some of these. Now, I'm going to make one up here. This is not a real one. I don't want you looking this up on the internet. It's not true. You can almost see this really happening tonight. You can almost see this if you're watching the show. Uh, uh, Flavatil. Take Flavatil today. If you take Flavatil, you will have a better life. Flavatil. And then you're going to have, and then it'll be like, let's say, a, a two minute commercial, Flavatil. And for the two-minute commercial, about a minute and a half is going to tell you what will go wrong if you take Flavatil. And it, two minutes of, you may therefore not be able to walk again. You won't be able to see again. You may very well grow, have cancer and all these other things. However, if you don't want to have uh, too much nose hair anymore, take Flavatil. Because this is the way these, these uh, medications are. They want to improve on things, and there's nothing wrong with that, except that by all the improvements, we're not God. We're not God. People say, why, why? Why is it that death continues to happen? Why? Well, we know why. We just said it. And you know why? Because we are broken vessels. We're broken vessels. God created the perfect vessel, but we are broken because of sin in this world. 
We are broken vessels. And that's the title of today's sermon, Broken Vessels. Do you have imperfections, illnesses? Are you sick? Do you know someone who is sick? Or are you, have you imperfections? And in this, we can all say yes. Have you known someone? Yes, we can all say yes. Because we're all broken vessels. We all have sickness and sickness eventually goes to death. This is the way it is. There's headaches, cold flu, allergies. I've had all these this week. I've had headaches and I always do colds. I've had a cold all week, flu. And uh, I don't know if it's a flu, but I know that it felt like one. And, and I've been miserable. That's why I've been away from most of y'all until just, in fact, I wasn't even aware until last night if I was going to be here. I'm here. I'm not touching y'all for the most part. I'm away from y'all for that reason. <clears throat> I now know that what I have is not catchy. But uh, I do also know that uh, there's also other illnesses in this world. We know of foodborne illnesses. If you eat something, you know what I'm talking about. You eat something and, oh, I got food poisoning and bacteria. We know about bacteria. There's autoimmune disease. There's cancer. Many, 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 many other diseases and imperfections that God did not create. God did not create it. Why do we get these illnesses? Why do we get these? Well, let's take a look at it. Sickness itself is not a sin. I want, I want, we got to talk about this. Sickness itself, sickness itself is not a sin. We, mankind, we are part of Adam's family, and we have inherited this. It's a family inheritance. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? That's one thing we inherited, one of the things we inherited from Adam. Thanks, great, 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 great granddaddy. I appreciate that inheritance. It's not something we want, but we all did. We all inherited the sin nature. We all inherited sickness it itself isn't a sin, but it's a byproduct from that first sin. It is. Death is a byproduct of, the, of that sin. So let's see what it says in John chapter 9, 1 through 3. John chapter 9, 1 through 3, we see that Jesus was passing by and he saw a blind man from birth. He was born with it. He was born with it. Let's see what he says. John 9, 1 through 3 says, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but it happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay. So we said that sickness itself is not a sin. Then there's another thing. That there's born sickness, just as this man was, that's natural sickness, for instance, my tumors. I was probably born with the first tumor. Second one was another part of it that kept growing. Don't know what caused the third and the fourth tumor. I have no idea. I guess you can say I'm the tuminator. I have no idea. But the fact is, is I've had tumors my whole life. I've had tumors and brain issues and all these things. I got, I've had illnesses. I don't know why. I've had tumors. But when a child is born with an illness, when a child is born with an illness, oftentimes parents blame themselves. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. 
It's not their fault that the parent of the parent that the child is born with an illness. Is it the child's fault when the child is born with a natural illness? A child who's born without a leg? No. Now there are some situations where it is a parent's fault. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's say a child is born mentally challenged because a parent was doing drugs or other things. Yes, but that's not this. That's not this at all. Okay, but that's still not the child's fault. Okay, some people like to think those things. It's not. It's not God's fault either. But the point of all this is, it's not the parent's fault. Is a child is born blind? It's not the parent's fault at all. It's in God's plan. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's in God's plan? Does that mean God's going to heal them sometime so that God can be seen in His glory? I don't know. I'm not going to say no because I don't know. I don't. But I also know that rather He does or rather He doesn't, and probably not. Probably not. Because I sure don't want to give anybody hope. Oh, my nephew is blind, and Pastor said that he probably. And so, therefore, they're going to be healed. And now, no, no, I don't know. But I do know one thing. God can be used in them. Whether they're going to be healed or whether they're going to be living blind, God can use them. And God's testimony can be seen in their life one way or the other. God can be used by them. He can. Then there's the third kind of sickness. And this is what I'm going to call result sickness. Result sickness. What is that? That means result from sin. Result from sin sickness. This is a sickness that someone has done and caused it themselves. Can't blame God for it at all. Especially if God has warned us. For instance, give us a for instance, Pastor. I know you guys are wanting one. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Mostly because you're asking. But this is the reason. No, I think you already know a lot. What we just mentioned a while ago. A mother who has done drugs and the poor child, poor child, poor child is conflicted because of it. Or how about this? Sexually transmitted diseases. How can God do this to me? God didn't do it to you. You did it to you. Drugs. Here's another one. Gluttony. How can God make me 500 and some odd pounds? God didn't. It is true your body is different. My body is different than others. I've seen young people packing away 15 whoppers and the flesh of me wants to go and pound them in the mouth because I walk by a whopper and boom, I put on 18 pounds. They can put down 15 and I'm like, oh look, I'm gaining no weight. And I say, Lord, I know I shouldn't pray this. Get him. The, the, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, gluttony is also a sin. Eating unhealthy is like a drug too, and that's an emotional sin. It's an emotional sin. That's why we do it. And I say we. I don't mean I do it all the time. But there's times I have. There's other kinds. The drugs and the gluttony, gluttony sin. And there's actions of biblical disobedience. There's all over the place. And people say, why am I sick? Why is this coming back to get me? I haven't done anything wrong. I think you know. For instance, what is it when Satan tried to get Jesus to jump off the temple? How many people 
pretend that their body is indestructible. I'm good. Look, I'm not saying that you're a horrible person if you're jumping from a plane or anything like that. But how many people are jumping off bridges and then something goes wrong with the bungee cord and they end up breaking their neck or something? They're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Really? Come on now. You're not a superhero and you're acting like you are. And it's not God's fault. Do not tempt. Do not tempt. This is result sickness. And I'm not saying I want bad on anybody. Even football players and all, they know the risks. We know the risks when we put our body in danger. This is all I'm saying. This is all I'm saying. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. Now, Jesus came to heal, and we saw that he came to heal. Jesus came to heal, remembering health. He came to heal. Now, we have all sorts of health in this world. There's physical health. There is. There's physical health. There's different types of health. There's physical health, there's mental health, there's emotional health, and guess what, folks? There's spiritual health. Isn't that right? Physical health, mental health, emotional health, and yes, spiritual health. And a lot of times, people only think about the physical health. How's your health today? Oh, I'm feeling good. I could go out and take on the world. You know what? That's not the only kind of health there is. And you know... I didn't realize when this sermon was being put together, yes, I've been feeling physically not grand. And that always affects us emotionally and sometimes mentally when we're not feeling that great. But guess what? Spiritually, I get through it because the Lord is with me. But what I did not realize about yesterday's date, yesterday was the 4th of March. I didn't know the date, how it affected me. But four years ago, on that date, I went through a big, big deal. Four years ago, I uh, <laughs> I had been off on medication for quite some time because I was in the hospital. And because of that, I was affected mentally and physically and emotionally. And so I kind of went out of my mind for a while. And because of that, I had the Lord God had to get a hold of me spiritually and put me back together again. And it took quite some time, a couple days to get me to think correctly again, know who I was. But not just that, it took years to get me back together emotionally because of what happened afterwards with my marriage at the time. And it took me a long time to get put back together in pieces again. Why am I telling you this? Because what I'm telling you is it took a long time because I was a broken vessel. And it took my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to heal me. Did I know when this was coming together, this sermon, that it just happened to be by the date? No, but God did. God did, and hallelujah for it. And you know what? At the time, I was thinking, at the time, I'm going to have to move my chair, hallelujah. At the time, I was sitting there thinking when it was all going on, Lord, I'm crazy, I'm going nuts, and everything else. And I was being threatened with divorce. I was being, with, I thank you. And I was being threatened with being put in a nut house and everything else and all these other things. But you know what? Now I look at it and, and I was already in a nut house because I was married. But here's what the, the truth be told. I can see now that God was taking me out of all those things. He was taking me out of an insane asylum. He was taking me out of the crazy because God was clearing me from the sin and all the crazies. And he was making sure that he was clearing my mental illness. He was clearing my physical illness. He was clearing all the emotional illness so that spiritually and mentally and emotionally and physically he could get me corrected and put me right, hallelujah. Yeah. 
You see, Jesus healed many. He healed the sick, he healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he healed the lame, he healed the mute, he healed the people with leprosy. <sighs> so physical, there's many who have physical discomfort. We're talking about the poor lady who went for so, so long with her physical ailments. And he healed those with mental illness too. He healed those who had demons. Yes, I'm talking about those who had spiritual illness because they didn't have Christ. He did all these things and he did what he came to do. He did what only God can do. He did this. Some of this healing was to show symbolism of his full mission. Because his full mission, his full mission, his full mission was to come and heal our soul. His full mission was to come and save us from sin, to save us from eternal damnation. That's what he came to do. He didn't come just to heal us physically. That's not what he came to do. Now, some of it was for mercy's sake that he did this thing. But he also did, he also did what God sent him to do. But what he did was always the will of God because he was and is God. And I say this to you, I say this to you, because faith and healing for the believer is important. But there are some, there are some who believe that we are supposed to always heal everybody and everything. And anyone who prays for healing, physically speaking, who prays for healing is going to be healed. Some people believe that if you pray for healing of a cold, you're going to get like that. And it has nothing to do with NyQuil. Some people pray that if you put your hands on someone who has a brain tumor, the tumor is going to come out of your head and it's going to have nothing to do with brain surgery. Some people believe that if you pray and speak in tongues and, and, and shake around, that it's going to take away any illness and no one's going to have cancer anymore. This is not necessarily biblical. Now, here's the thing. Yes, we're to pray in faith and pray for healing. We're, we're to do that. I believe that. But it's a misunderstood and yes, mistaught message from some. So often, and by so many, it's mistaught. Listen what it says, and, and I'm going to tell you some of these messages and some of these passages that they use and misteach with and misunderstand, and I understand why they think these things, if you take bits and pieces of it, but they're misusing it. John 10.10, 10, for instance, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So it's used to teach that you can have life here on earth. That's what they, they teach with. That's not what he's saying though. John 14, three, I will do whatever you ask in my name that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus taught this. But he wasn't teaching that if you name it and claim it, because that's, that's what the name it, claim it folk, you know who they are. The name it, claim it, people say, you name it, you claim it, it's yours. Well, here's the thing. I've said it 150,000 times, more or less, that Jesus Christ is not a genie in the bottle. Genie, Jesus Christ is not a genie in the bottle. We are his servant. He is not ours. Is God's will not our will? People oftentimes use Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is true. This is true, but this is to say, is to be God's will. I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This, all this must mean that I'm an immortal and I'll stay on earth forever. No, that's not what it means. It means that Christ can do it, not me. Then there's Psalm 
<coughs> excuse me, Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. I've had people, actually, one person tried to give this to my dad when he was having heart issues. He had many heart issues, physical. This means those who are sad. This doesn't mean your physical heart. But people misquote this. Here's another one. James 5, 14. If anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is true. This is true. When you're sick, come forward. Pray to the church. That's why we have prayer services. This is why we pray. We're not just here at the end when we have our uh, uh, invitation. Thank you. My brain's not working. Invitation. When we have invitation, we don't just have invitation to sit here and sing a song and, and put a nice little ending on it. If you have invitation, you want to come forward to join the church like our brother did last week. Wonderful. That's amazing. We're not just here to, to, to say uh, hi, goodbye. No. Invitation. So if you want to come forward, you can. You can pray with me or you can come forward and pray here at these benches. But you know what? It is also... It is also so you can come and have an anointing upon you if that's what you please. But you don't have to. You don't have to. It's not just for that. It's also to be saved. But it's not just for the saved. It's for all those who need prayer. It's also to come and pray. And, and even if you don't know what it is you need prayer for. But you know there's something working on you. And you need it. Don't feel ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Come forward. But this gets misused too. The anointing man, there's some people, there's a church my mother went to one time where they had anointing oil. Not quite. Wasn't it Wesson? But Wesson oil. They had a whole bottle of Wesson oil because they used so much it. I was like, you know, the only people that I know that use that much Wesson oil or something close to it is wrestling. They have oil on so they look all sweaty when they're not really. The thing about it is, is there's nothing wrong with putting the anointing oil on people in prayer. We do that. We do that. We don't make mockery of it. Jesus heals, not his followers. We pray in faith, in faith in the Lord, not in ourselves. We don't demand God heals. God, you will heal because I said you're going to heal. No. We don't do that. We don't demand God does it in Jesus' name. We say, Lord, I have faith. I believe that you can do this, and I believe, Lord, be your will. If it be your will, you will do this, if that's your will. Remember, he commands us, we don't command him. Amen? It's okay to say amen. I won't be offended, I promise. I really will. Is it wrong to pray for healing? No, we should have faith. Not that it is going to, ha is going to happen, but that God, if it be his will, We'll pray that it be his will, not ours, as I say so often. The naming and proclaiming often confuses and it destroys faith, doesn't build it up. Remember, it destroys faith often, doesn't build it up. Remember that. Why do I say that? Because it destroys faith for the lost. It destroys faith for the young in spirit. It destroys faith. That's why we got to be very, very, very careful. The Bible says to be careful for the young in spirit. Be careful for the young in spirit. Don't tear them down. 
Build up their faith, but don't do it by confusion. And remember this, and by the way, I'm not saying that they're of the devil, and I'm not saying that they're not Christians, but remember this. Who's the master of confusion? It's not Jesus. That I will tell you. Okay? So remember that when you see confusion. When people doing that kind of name it, claim it, smack them in the head and knock them down and don't get them back up stuff. All right? Remember, that's wrestling stuff. That's not Jesus stuff. Brother. And I say that to you because some people say that those who aren't healed are the ones without faith. No. No. I'll say it again. No. I had a man one time tell me, I've said it before, but I had a man one time tell me my father didn't have any faith because he wasn't healed. <laughs> my father, my father had a lot of faith, but he had faith that God's will will be done. And my father right now is healed. He's healed. He's running around right now just like Ron is running around right now. Just like many other people are running around right now. Healed. Completely healed. Running around in heaven. Healed. Billy Graham is healed. Amen. A lot of people are healed right now. We just don't see them. Because we're not healed. That's why. Not physically. You see, those who said that those who aren't healed physically are the ones without faith. Paul said differently. Let's now turn. Now, I'm sorry if I'm going to go a little late, and I am. But you're not shocked by this? Let's be honest now. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 10. Second Corinthians 12, 2 through 10 says, a new, I knew a man in Christ for over 14 years ago, rather in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And I knew that such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, was caught up into paradise, into paradise. And heard inexpressible words not permitted for a man to say. Of such a person I will boast. Yet of myself I will not boast, except in my weakness. For if I desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will be speaking the truth, but now I resist, lest anyone should think of me above that which he sees me to be or hears from me, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn was given me in the flesh. Let me say it again. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, lest I be exalted above measure. I asked the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me. Let's stop for just a second. You hear what he's saying? A thorn, not a literal thorn necessarily. It's a thorn was given to him in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment him. He wanted that, rather, 
I, I believe it's a physical illness. Some people say it's not. I believe it is. And I believe we have proof that it is. But that being said, he wanted that illness. He wanted that thorn. He wanted that horrible part of his flesh, that physical, uh, horrible illness, that thing, whatever it is, to be gone. And that's what he says again, verse 8. I asked the Lord three times that this might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I take pleasure in my weak in weakness, in reproaches, in hardships, in persecutions, and in distresses, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm not saying that we want to be weak. Oh, Lord, give me the flu this week. No, I'm not saying that. Oh, Lord, I sure do hope I get to cold. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want many more brain tumors. I think you all know that. I don't want to be ill. I don't like to be ill. I have been miserable this week. Even last night, I was like, Lord, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go to church tomorrow. But didn't you know what happened? You know what happened? I grabbed my Bible. I started reading. I started praying. I said, I'm going to church. Nothing's going to stop me now. Oh, nothing's going to stop me now. I got up. I said, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it. You know why? Because greater is he in me than he's of the world. First John 4, 4. I'm going to do it. Not because I'm getting all charismatic like that, but because I have Jesus in me and greater is he who's in me. I am not going to let my physical body stop me. The spiritual body is going to pick me up and I'm going to keep on going. That's why. That is why. Now let us turn. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Paul again. Oh, I love Paul. I love Paul. Paul says, therefore, and this is Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation knowing that the tribulation produces patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God is shed abroad in, the hearts, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We're going to have tribulations, not just physical. But we're going to have tribulations, but we got to keep on keeping on. Amen? Amen. And I don't know about you, there's times I want to give up. There's times I want to throw the towel in. There's times I want to throw the towel in and say, I can't keep going. But then God talks to me in prayer. And so instead of throwing the towel in, you know what I do? I grab my hat and I throw it into the little circle. And I say, I'm going to keep going because God is with me. I'm not giving up. I'm not. I'm not. And it says in 2 Corinthians, back to Paul. Back to Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, I don't even know why I'm pretending I'm going to sit down. We know what's going to happen. I'm going to sit down and I'm jump back up again. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. Our light affliction, which lasts but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding a far more 
exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Keep in mind, we're in this body for just a short time. Some shorter than others. Some shorter than others, sister. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but in truth, in truth, in reality, some people are only here for a shorter time. But guess what? For eternity, we're going to have an eternal body, which we're going to get to in a moment. And remember what it says in Hebrews 9, 27. As it is appointed for men to die once. Hebrews 9, 27. As it is appointed for men to die once, but after this comes the judgment. So we're only going to be here for time. And then we're going to be with the Lord God. And the new bodies are going to come. And you are healed. You are healed. The moment you get saved, you're healed. You are. So it's true when people say that you're going to be healed. You are healed. You're already healed. I have cracking bones. I'm sure most of us can raise our hands to that. I have crackling bones. My neck pops all the time. Well, it just did. Howdy, howdy. I have crackling bones. My knees hate me. I'm not that fond of you either, you know. <laughs> Talking to my knees. Uh... My skull looks ugly, but I'm thankful for it. I had a friend who recently told me something that this, because this was a little bit of vanity, a little bit of vanity. I get jealous of my handsome friend back here with all his hair. He he uh, he has a lot of hair, and uh, I'm very jealous of him with all his hair. That's vanity speaking. My friend, my, I have another friend who's always telling me, Philip, you know, you might as well just shave your head completely. He says, you might as well shave your head completely because you're, you know, he goes, you look handsome either way. This is what my friend tells me. You look handsome either way. It's my friend Seth who says that. You look handsome either way. I says, I hate my head. And uh, I said, it's so embarrassing. He says, no. This is what he told me. He said, you look handsome either way. He said, your head is a testimony. He said, God has done much through you and for you. He said, be proud of your scars. Be proud of all the bumps and bruises and don't let anyone make you feel embarrassed by it. So he told me. I don't know if I ever go completely bald again or not. I don't know. If I do, I do. And I don't care what anyone has to say about it. I really don't. I don't say that arrogantly. I say that because what my friend said is true. Is that I actually looked into getting something to put over it for a time because that's how embarrassed I was. And, and I don't mean vainly. But I thought about getting it. But then again, I don't need to wear a toupee or anything like that. I mean, I, I sure would look handsome either way. <laughs> wow, what happened? Your hair suddenly grew back in two minutes. No. Truth be told, I'm not going to do it. Here's the problem. If you ever even look at anything like that, you start getting sent ads. And I wasn't looking at that. I was actually looking for something to wear one day when I was dressing like Superman here. I've been sent stuff like that now for, a third, for three years since. Anyway, that being said... Your pastor will not be wearing toupee, so don't worry about that. It would look so real. <laughs> so real. A skunk hair. No, but anyway. Anyway. All that being said, I'm not ashamed of my scars in my head. I'm proud of them. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Don't you be ashamed of your illnesses and sicknesses. 
Because whether it's something that you have gone through naturally, natural illness as we talked earlier, or rather it's something that you did from a mistake in your life. Don't be proud of the mistake, but be proud that God can take you from that mistake and still use you. You see, be proud of what God can do. Not what we do, but what God can do through us. God is the healer. God's that great physician who could do all things. Be proud. Be proud of Christ and what he can do. You are healed. You are a new creation in a broken vessel. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 44. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 42 through 44? Well, it says this. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So right now we are in this natural body. But soon, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you will have a spiritual body and it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. It's with you, but when you get to heaven, boom, you're going to be in your spiritual body. And someday we're going to come back to the world brand spanking new. And you're going to be in your brand new body. Hallelujah. Brand new body. Completely wonderful. To finish up here today. I want to read to you Romans 8.18 and Romans 8.28. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. So yes, we suffer. We suffer through hardships. We suffer when you're sick. We suffer through all this. People often ask why. We know why. Because death is in this world. Death to the perfection God gave us. Our perfect body is perfect no more. We are broken vessels. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. Excuse me, to His purpose. Remember, when you're sick, when you're ill, when you have a disease, and you don't know why, some of it may be our fault at times how we deal with it, and some of it may not. We've already talked about that. But here's what we can do. We know that God's will will be done. And we're to honor God with whatever we're dealing with. Follow Him. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to have emotions, but don't let those emotions have us. Don't let those emotions control us. Have your moment if you find out you have a serious illness. Only a fool would say, oh, I don't even let that bother me. Hey, hey, if you've never had one, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what it's like to stand before a doctor and say, you may be dead in a moment or two. When I was 14, I was told I had a tumor and that tomorrow we're going to cut your head open. And tomorrow... <laughs> they didn't say it tomorrow, but they called me at the church to tell me it was tomorrow. That was terrifying. I thought I was going to die. I thought 
that nobody would care if I did. That was stupid. I mean, that was my insecurities talking. Here's the thing. The devil worked on that. But God used it for good and for his glory and still is to this day. Right now, I'm talking with a wonderful young man who has a lot of physical problems, mental problems, and other things, emotional problems. And he uses even the things I went through at my age of 14 and use it for this young man. God can use all things to his glory if we let it. Even your problems today, whatever it might be, don't let it run you down. Let it lift you up to God's glory. Someday you will be home. I'm not talking here. I'm talking there. Someday you'll be home. No more broken vessel, but an eternal vessel. And so we're changing the title of today's sermon. Eternal Vessel. Which is going to go together with the upcoming sermons for this month. All being eternal. Eternal Vessel. And I'll finish today by reading 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I pray right now for all of the people here who may have physical ailments. I pray that you touch them right now. For those who you wish to heal, I pray that you will. For those, Lord God, that you plan to use in their illness, I pray that you will show them this, that you will comfort them and lead them and guide them, and that you will show others your abilities through their strengths, even in their physical weaknesses. I pray, Lord God, you will help me in my physical weaknesses to make my spiritual strength even stronger. Lord, I'm not even complaining about my physical weaknesses because, Lord, I know that I would not be the spiritual man I am today if it had not been for all those. You, Lord, have blessed me and allowed me to go through these things. I'm, I'm so thankful for it. No, Lord, I'm not saying you've given them to me, but you've allowed me to go through it, and thank you for it. Thank you. Lord, I pray for those that we know in our lives or that we see on television or that we hear of who are ill and need help. I specifically pray for my brother-in-law. I specifically pray that you will heal him. I pray, Lord God, for those who are in serious conditions. I pray, Lord God, that you will strengthen them. Let others see your love and compassion. Let people who need to come to know you see what you can do. I pray for those who are dead and walking around right now that they will see this and they will come to know you this very day. I pray this in your holy, precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.